Section 13 of A Year with the Saints, translated by a member of the Order of Mercy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, recording by Maria Therese. July, Simplicity. Be simple as doves. Matthew 10.16. 1. Among those who make profession of following the maxims of Christ, simplicity ought to be held in great esteem. For, among the wise of this world, there is nothing more contemptible or despicable than this, that it is a virtue most worthy of love, because it leads us straight to the kingdom of God, and, at the same time, wins for us the affection of men. Since one who is regarded as upright, sincere, and an enemy to tricks and fraud, is loved by all, even by those who only seek from morning till night to cheat and deceive others. St. Vincent de Paul this saint himself truly had great esteem for simplicity and loved it much therefore he not only kept himself from any transgression against it but could not suffer those under his authority to commit any if at times they were guilty of doing so he would be sure to correct them for it though with great mildness st francis de sales also was full of respect and love for this virtue as he once declared to a confidential friend in these words I do not know what that poor virtue of prudence has done to me, that I find so much difficulty in loving it, and if I love it, it is only from necessity, inasmuch as it is the support and guiding light of this life. But the beauty of simplicity completely fascinates me. It is true that the gospel recommends to us both the simplicity of the dove and the prudence of the serpent, but I would give a hundred serpents for one dove. I know that both are useful when they are united, but I think that it should be in the proportion observed in compounding some medicines in which a little poison is mixed with a quantity of wholesome drugs. Let the world, then, be angry, let the prudence of the world rage, and the flesh perish, for it is always better to be good and simple than to be subtle and malicious. St. Phocas the martyr was greatly to be admired for his simplicity, according to what Sirius relates. He cultivated a little garden, less to provide food for himself, than to supply with vegetables and fruit those travellers and pilgrims who had heard of his liberality, and stopped at his house for no one ever knocked at his door who was not received with great charity and courtesy. This holy man was denounced for aiding and abetting Christians, to the governor of the province, who, resolving upon his death, sent soldiers privately in search of him, with orders to kill him. They arrived one evening at his house, not knowing that it was his, entered it, and, with the usual freedom of soldiery, demanded food. According to his custom, he received them willingly and kindly, and gave them what little he had. He served them, too, at table, with so much charity and courtesy that they were delighted and captivated, and said between themselves that they had never met such a good-hearted man, and so they were led by his great simplicity and candor to ask him with confidence whether he knew anything of a certain Phocus, who helped in harbored Christians, and upon whose death the imperial prefect had resolved. The saint replied that he knew him very well, and that he would willingly point him out to them, so that they might go to rest quietly, without further inquiry on the next day he would show them an easy way of capturing him. He then spent the whole night in fervent prayer, and, when it was day, he went to visit the soldiers and bid them good morning with his usual cordiality. They answered by reminding him of his promise to deliver up Phocus, whom they were seeking. Do not doubt, he returned, that I will find him for you. Consider that you have him already in your hands. Let us go, then, and take him, they answered. There is no need of going, he replied for he is here present, I am he, do with me what you please. 
At these words the soldiers were amazed and stupefied, both on account of the great charity with which he had welcomed them, and of the ingenious sincerity with which he revealed himself to his persecutors, when he could so easily have escaped death by fleeing in the night. They gazed at each other in amazement, and neither of them dared to lay hands on one who had been so kind to them. They were more inclined to give him his life, and to report to the prefect that after long search they had not been able to discover Phocus. No, said the saint, my death would be a less evil than to concoct such a fiction and tell such a falsehood. Execute, then, the order you have received. So saying, he bared his neck, and extended it to the soldiers, who severed it with one stroke, and gave him the glorious crown of martyrdom. This most candid fidelity was so agreeable to God that he immediately began, and still continues, to signalize it by illustrious miracles, especially in favor of pilgrims and sailors, to whom, in death as in life, the saint had been most liberal of benefits and miraculous helps. In recognition of this, a custom came into use among travelers by sea, of serving to him every day at meals a part of the first dish, which was called the portion of St. Phocas. This was each day bought by one or other of the voyagers, and the price deposited in the hands of the captain, and when they came into port the money was distributed among the poor, in thanksgiving to their benefactor for their successful voyage. 2. Simplicity is nothing but an act of charity, pure and simple, which has but one sole end, that of gaining the love of God. Our soul is then truly simple, when we have no aim at all but this, in all we do. St. Francis de Sales St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi once said, If I thought that by saying a word, however indifferent, for any other end than the love of God, I could become a seraph, I certainly would not say it. The devil, envying a young monk who was making good progress, appeared one night to his master of novices under the form of a good angel, and informed him that his disciple was already reprobated, and that whatever good he did was of no use to him. The master of novices was much grieved at this, and could not refrain from tears whenever he met the young man, who one day asked him the reason of his grief. When he told it, the novice said, Father, do not grieve for this. If I am to be damned, I shall be damned. If I am to be saved, I shall be saved. I serve God not for the kingdom of heaven, but for his goodness and love towards me, and for the passion he has suffered for me. If, then, he chooses to give me his paradise, he can do it, and if he wishes to give me hell, he can indeed do it. I am content that he should do with me what pleases him. The following night a true angel appeared to the master novices, and told him the one he had previously seen was a devil, and that his disciple had merited more by his act of resignation than by all the good life he had hitherto led. 3. The office of simplicity is to make us go straight to God, without regard to human respect or our own interests. It leads us to tell things candidly, and just as they exist in our hearts. It leads us to act simply, without a mixture of hypocrisy and artifice, and, finally, keep us at a distance from every kind of deceit and double-dealing. St. Vincent de Paul This saint always held it as of the utmost importance to have God as his only object and all he did. Neither could he bear that those under his charge should swerve in the least from this aim. When one of them was publicly accused of having done something from human respect, he reprimanded him severely, saying that it would be better to be thrown into the fire with feet and hands tied than to work to please men. Answering a letter from one of his priests, he writes thus, 
you write to me that when you speak highly of a certain person in your letters it would be well for his friends to know it that he may come to know it too what thoughts for you to have where is the simplicity of a missionary who ought always look directly to god if you do not see good in certain persons do not speak of it but if you find it speak of it to honour god in them since from him all good proceeds our lord reproved one who called him good because he did not call him so with a good intention with how much greater reason might you be blamed if you praise sinful men to please them and to gain their favour or for any other earthly and imperfect motive remember that duplicity does not please god and that to be truly simple we ought to have no aim but himself as to his own language it was candid and simple and so from all evasion and craftiness that no one could ever fear being deceived by him he also avoided high-flown compliments which as they are usually united with dissimulation are not in conformity with the rules of christian simplicity therefore he conversed with all simplicity and cordiality omitting useless demonstrations as he desired also that his priest should do the venerable sister crucifixa possessed most remarkable candor and sincerity by which she showed her hatred of all dissimulation and duplicity the slightest untruth never escaped from her lips either in the way of civility or of jest although at recreation she would often employ irony or other diverting forms of expression to enliven the conversation st charles borromeo showed plainly that he was full of this holy virtue on several occasions especially in the election of pius v as pope as his uncle pius the fourth had always disliked st charles there was every reason to believe that the nephew would be opposed or at least not very friendly to him so that he might be taxed with want of prudence in giving power that would be likely to be used for his own ruin nevertheless having before his eyes only the glory of god and the greater good of the church and paying no regard to his private interests he brought about his election but god took care of him and caused him to be much favoured and esteemed by pius v in his speech st charles was extremely candid and utterly opposed to all artifice and duplicity and he wished those of his household to be the same as he once said to one of them who in talking of a certain affair allowed these words to escape him i will tell you sincerely what i think about it the saint interrupted him quickly saying then you do not always speak sincerely now be sure that he cannot be my friend who does not speak always with sincerity and say with his lips what he means in his heart four god loves the simple and converses with them willingly and communicates to them the understanding of his truths because he disposes of these at his pleasure he does not deal thus with lofty and subtle spirits st francis de sales st vincent de paul was of the same opinion the truth of which he said experience daily confirms for it is but too clear that the spirit of religion is not ordinarily to be found so much among the wise and prudent of the world as among the poor and simple who are enriched by god with a living and practical faith which makes them believe and appreciate the words of eternal life so they are usually seen to suffer their diseases their poverty and all their trials with more patience and resignation than others st ambrose in the funeral oration which he pronounced over his brother st satyrus greatly exalts among his other virtues his childlike simplicity which he says shone in him like a mirror so that he could not have failed to please god for he as a completely simple being loves what is simple and hates and punishes all adulteration it is related in regard to st gertrude that the lord once appeared to a holy soul and said 
know that there is not a soul in the world which is nearer or more closely united to me by simplicity than that of gertrude and so there is none to which i feel myself so much drawn as to hers five true simplicity is like that of children who think speak and act candidly and without craftiness they believe whatever is told them they have no care or thought for themselves especially when with their parents they cling to them without going to seek their own satisfactions and consolations which they take in good faith and enjoy with simplicity without any curiosity about their causes and effects st francis de sales st mary magdalene de Pazzi resembled in her behavior a simple girl acting without craftiness and with great candor and simplicity of heart accompanied however with prudence and such gravity as made her loved and respected by all the venerable sister maria crucifixa was truly remarkable for this virtue though gifted with heavenly illumination she appeared precisely like a simple little girl without a vestige of artfulness she told everything candidly and as it seemed to her and she thought others did the same for she could not believe that a christian would be capable of telling lies some examples would show this more clearly on account of the opinion generally entertained of her sanctity a great number of letters came to her from many places she believed that this was owing to the high standing of the convent and that her companions received as many but she was much surprised to notice that they were not kept as busy in writing answers as she was to satisfy herself about the matter she went around asking them if they received many letters and they too favor her simplicity answered with polite exaggeration that they received ever so many why then do you not write she replied i will bring you the inkstand so that you can answer them she went for the inkstand and a pen and gave them to her companions but seeing that they could not restrain their laughter she was unable to understand what the joke was and remained much puzzled having received from cardinal tomasi her brother who often wrote to her a letter in which he signed himself a wretch according to the frequent custom of the time she would answer neither that one nor many others that he afterwards wrote being asked the reason she replied that she did not wish to keep up a correspondence with wretches and it required no little trouble to induce her to write but in another pretty incident the lord was pleased to show how acceptable to him was her simplicity a lynette was given to her which she named fiorisco she loved it very much not only for its beautiful voice but for the virtues which she said were shown in its actions it happened once that she wished to pull out two of its feathers to make a little pen to draw a certain design for an approaching festival she thought that lynette was rather unwilling to give them to her and she was somewhat dissatisfied by his want of devotion a short time after a young canary taking his first flight rested on the cage of the lynette which held him by one of his feet with his beak and began to pull out his feathers with his claws seeing what was going on she hurried to the rescue and exclaimed ah fiorisco we are growing worse and worse is this the way to observe charity then turning to the image of the virgin she protested that in this bird she loved nothing except god but that he had done very wrong that day and she wished that he might be suitably punished at these words the lynette as if he foresaw the coming punishment stopped singing and spent the rest of the day in a melancholy manner in a corner of the cage with his feathers ruffled up when evening came a noise was heard from the cage where poor fiorisco was struggling grievously with mournful cries the servant of god hastened to the scene and saw the devil in the form of an ugly crow attacking her bird crying aloud sancta maria she put him to flight and she found that her lynette had lost a wing which had been torn off at the shoulder 
and fell on the ground before her eyes, and the injured bird seemed on the point of drawing his last breath. She was grieved at the sight, and prayed to the Lord, asking as he did not desire the death of a sinner, but his conversion in life, that he would grant that her Fiorisco, though he had been punished, might not die. Nor was the prayer in vain, for, after she had taken the bird in her hand and caressed it a little, it suddenly recovered its usual strength and appeared with a new wing, fully provided with bones and flesh and skin, and nothing different from the first, except that the feathers were handsomer. 6. Astuteness is nothing but a mass of artifices, inventions, craft, and deceit, by which we endeavor to mislead the minds of those with whom we are dealing, and make them believe that we have no knowledge or sentiment as to the matter in question, except what we manifest by our words. This is wholly contrary to simplicity, which requires our exterior to be perfectly in conformity with our interior. St. Francis de Sales when this good saint was told, by a friend of his, that he would have been successful in politics, No, he replied, the mere name of prudence and policy frightens me, and I understand little or nothing about it. I do not know how to lie, to invent, or to simulate, without embarrassment, and political business is wholly made up of these things. What I have in my heart I have upon my tongue, and I hate duplicity like death, for I know how abominable it is to God." St. Vincent de Paul, too, was utterly opposed to worldly policy, and in his dealings with others was most careful to avoid all evasions and artifices. The very shadow of falsehood affrighted him, and he had a horror of equivocations which deceive an inquirer by answers of double meaning. 7. When a simple soul is to act, it considers only what it is suitable to do or say, and then immediately begins the action, without losing time in thinking what others will do or say about it and after doing what seemed right, it dismisses the subject. Or if, perhaps, any thought of what others may say or do should arise, it instantly cuts short such reflections, for it has no other aim than to please God, and not for creatures, except as the love of God requires it. Therefore, it cannot bear to be turned aside from its purpose of keeping close to God, and winning more and more of his love for itself. St. Francis de Sales This holy bishop, Having gone one evening to the Sartosa at Grenoble, the general of the Carthusians, who was a man of great learning and piety, received him very courteously. After talking with him, in his room, for some time on spiritual subjects, he took leave of him, excusing himself for not remaining longer, on the ground that it was the festival of a saint of the order, and he must assist at matins that night. And passing through the corridors to his cell, he happened to make the procurator, who, hearing of the visit, said that he had done wrong to leave the bishop, as no one could entertain him better than himself. That is, to matins, he could say them whenever he wished, but it was not every day that they had prelates of such great merit in that desert. "'I believe you are right,' replied the general. He immediately went back to the saint, related to him, with great ingenuousness, what had just been said to him, and asked pardon for the fault which he had committed, as he said, without intending to. The saint was astonished at such great candor and simplicity, and said that he was more amazed at it than if he had seen a miracle. 8. The chief point is to be beware not of men, but to be beware of displeasing the majesty of God. St. Teresa The saint once said that she used every effort to perform every one of her actions in such a manner as not to displease him, whom she clearly beheld always overlooking her. St. Vincent de Paul said, one day, 
that from the time he had given himself to the service of God, he had never done anything which he would not have been willing to do in the public squares, for he performed every action with a vivid recollection of the presence of God, whom he feared more than men. 9. When one thinks he has done all that God requires of him for the success of any undertaking, whether the result be good or bad, he ought always to remain in peace and great tranquillity of mind, contenting himself with a testimony of his own conscience. St. Vincent de Paul When St. Ignatius had done what he could to repair any mistake that had been made, if he did not succeed, he neither lost courage nor grieved over the time as wasted, but content with having exerted all his powers, he rested in the unfathomable counsel of Providence. 10. If you happen to say or do something that is not well received by all, you should not, on that account, set yourself to examine and scrutinize all your words and actions, for there is no doubt that it is self-love which makes us anxious to know whether what we have said or done is approved or not. Simplicity does not run after its actions, but leaves the result of them to divine providence, which it follows above all things, turning neither to the right nor to the left, but simply going on its way. St. Francis de Sales this saint himself acted in this manner, for he never sought to know whether his words or actions were acceptable to others or not. When it was reported to him that a certain action of his had been disapproved by some persons, he answered, without any discomposure, That is not to be wondered at, for not even the works of Christ our Lord were approved by all, and there are many, even at this day, who speak blasphemously of them. 11. Do not reason about afflictions and contradictions, but receive them with patience and sweetness, feeling that it is enough to know that they come from the hand of God. St. Francis de Sales It is told in the life of a servant of God at Naples, called Sister Maria de Santiago, that one day, when she was reflecting upon a trial which she was suffering, she heard these words from an interior voice, Do you say that you trust in me, and yet debate with yourself so much upon this? She then understood that she ought to receive a trial with simple resignation, and not reflect upon it further, and changing her previous habit, she did so, and continued to do so for the future, with great profit and contentment. However great were the trials and adversities of St. Vincent de Paul, he was never disturbed, neither did he show, or even feel, anger against any one, for he took all from the hands of God without discussion. 12. These continual reflections upon ourselves and our actions are of no use except to consume time, which would be better employed in doing than in scrutinizing so carefully what has been done. For this constant watching as to whether we are doing well often causes things to be done badly. Those souls which make reflections about trifles act like silkworms, which impede and imprison themselves in their own work. St. Francis de Sales a nun, having sent to this saint an account of her interior, he wrote thus an answer. Your path is excellent. I have only to say that you watch your steps too closely, through fear of falling. You make too many reflections upon the movements of your self-love, which doubtless are frequent, but which will never be dangerous, if, without being vexed at their importunity, or frightened at their numbers, you will say, No. Walk simply, do not desire so much spiritual rest. If you have not much, why do you disturb yourself so greatly? God is good. He sees what you are. Your inclinations can do you no harm, however bad they may be, for they are only left you to exercise your will in making a closer union with the will of God. 
Raise your spirit aloft with perfect confidence in the goodness of the Lord. Do not be troubled about him, for he said to Martha that he did not wish it, or, at least, that he preferred she should not be troubled at all, not even in doing well. Do not examine your soul so much as to its progress. Do not wish to be too perfect, but go on smoothly. Let your ordinary exercises and the actions you have to perform from day to day make up your life. Do not take thought for the morrow. As to your course, God, who has guided it until now, will guide it to the end. Rest in perfect peace in the holy and loving confidence which you ought to have in the kindness of divine providence. A young monk, very desirous of perfection, set his heart upon purifying himself from every fault, and therefore kept his eyes upon all his actions, looking at them again and again, before and after their performance, and while they were going on, to do them well and to see whether they had been well done. Therefore, the more he sought to avoid faults, the more he committed them, and by guarding himself from slight defects, he fell into grave ones. In this way, he only filled his soul with fear and disquiet to very little advantage. Finally, he went to an old and very spiritual monk to ask his advice. The holy man merely suggested to him gently these two counsels of the Holy Spirit. Fili, emancitudine serva animam tuam, emancitudine profice opera tua. Have a heart full of peace and confidence in God, and work tranquilly without so many reflections, so you will accomplish your design. He took this advice and began to follow it, and by this new method of proceeding he quickly regained peace, and in a short time made progress in perfection. 13. When one aims at pleasing his God through love, as his mind is always turned in that direction in which love urges him, he has neither heart nor opportunity to reflect upon himself, and to see what he is doing, and whether he is satisfied with it. For such reflections are not pleasing in the eyes of God, and only serve to satisfy that wretched love and inordinate care that we have for ourselves. This self-love, it must be said, is a great busybody, which takes up everything and holds to nothing. St. Francis de Sales This appears very plainly from what St. Catherine of Genoa relates of herself. Scarcely, said she, had my divine love taken possession of my soul, when I entreated him to purify it from every interior and exterior imperfection. This he immediately began to do, but with such exactness and so minutely, that to my amazement he caused me to look upon things as wrong and imperfect, which every one would have considered right and perfect. Oh, my God, in everything he found defects, and in every action something to blame. If I spoke of the interior emotions I experienced in my heart, he said, This talk aims at your own consolation. If I was silent, you remain grieving and lamenting interiorly. Ah, this grief and lamentation serves to give you some refreshment. If I turn my thoughts upon the course things were taking, all these reflections only serve to satisfy self-love. If I remained like an insensible thing, and only paid attention when things like what I felt in my own mind were spoken of, and is not this desire to listen a form of seeking self-gratification? When the interior part of my soul thus beheld itself revealed, and perceived that it could not deny these imperfections, it finally owed itself to be conquered. Then the superior part began to experience an unspeakable peace seeing that the inferior lay prostrate and could do no harm, and that it would itself reap all the advantage. But here again my holy love found something to reprove, and said, What do you think to do? I desire all for myself. Do not imagine that I will leave thee a single good of body or of soul, or that I will ever rest until I have annihilated in thee all that cannot abide in the divine presence, and have fully revealed and utterly subdued these things to myself. And so... 
not knowing what to say or do in view of his clear-sightedness, I gave myself wholly into his hands, that he might strip me of all that was not pleasing to his most penetrating eyes. Then I saw that pure love wishes to be alone, where it abides it cannot bear company, and therefore when it wishes to draw a soul to perfection, it marks as enemies all things beloved by it, and intends to consume them without compassion for soul or body, and if permitted would take them all away at once. But seeing the weakness of man, which could not support so great and so sudden a work, he cuts them off little by little, by which the soul constantly knows more and more of the operation of God, and is every day enkindled with fresh flames of his love, so that this divine fire is insensibly consuming her desires, and imperfect loves, until she remains stripped of every other love, and entirely possessed by the pure love of God. 14. That we may not be deceived by self-love, in considering matters that concern us, we ought to look at them as if they belonged to others, and our only business with them was to give our judgment, not from interest, but in the cause of truth, and in the same way we should look on others' affairs as our own. St. Ignatius Loyola Suliacus, king of the Locrians, acted on this principle when, after his son had committed a crime, which by the laws of the kingdom was punishable by the loss of both eyes, he immediately condemned him, as if he had been an ordinary subject. Nor can this be considered an act of thoughtlessness or cruelty, or a proof that Suliacus had lost the feelings of a father, for he showed his sensibility to his son's unhappy condition by his readiness to share the penalty with him, commanding that one of his own eyes should be put out and one of his son's. In the lives of the fathers it is narrated that a person asked the holy abbot how he ought to act, when, in regulating the conduct or affairs of others, he was in doubt whether he should say or do certain things. The saint replied, Before saying or doing those things, reflect as to what your own feelings would be, if someone else should say or do them to you. And if you find that you would feel displeasure or resentment, use that same moderation and charity which you would desire to have practiced towards you. In such cases, this is my rule. It was the usual custom of St. Vincent de Paul to regard his own interests as if they belonged to others, and those of others as his own, as may be seen in various incidents of his life. It will be sufficient to mention, too, some of his relatives, who had been summoned before a high tribunal on a grave charge, asked him for letters which might exert an influence in their favor. But he, through zeal for justice, would not interfere in the matter. On the other hand, when some of his friends wished to intercede with the judges on their behalf, he entreated them not to expose themselves to the danger of hindering the course of justice, but rather to wait until their innocence was made certain, just as he would have done in any other similar case. In the conferences which he had with members of his congregation, when any business affecting others was under consideration, he would often say, Let us keep our eyes open to others' interests as to our own, and let us take care to deal uprightly and honorably with all. Here surely was a man who did not allow himself to be carried away by natural inclinations, either in his own affairs or those of others. 15. The dissatisfaction we often feel when we have passed a great part of the day without being retired and absorbed in God, though we have been employed in works of obedience or charity, proceeds from a very subtle self-love, which disguises and hides itself, for it is a wish on our part to please ourselves rather than God. St. Teresa When we consider how many and how important were the occupations of St. Vincent de Paul on account of his office of superior general of his congregation, the position of counsellor which he was constrained to accept in the court, the continual works of charity in which he voluntarily engaged, 
the numbers of people who resorted to him, some for advice, some for direction, some for help and relief, so that he was constantly engaged, continually absorbed, and almost overwhelmed by these various avocations. It seems that he could have had no time to think of himself, and we wonder how he found any, as he did, to perform his ordinary exercises of piety. And yet, we do not read that he ever complained of not being able to remain retired and absorbed in God, although he certainly desired it as much as any one. Nor can any reason be assigned for this, except that all his care was to please God and not himself. Once finding himself overwhelmed with a multitude of occupations, complained lovingly to God that he had no time to converse with him intimately. Then he heard this reply in his heart, Let it be enough for thee that I make use of thy work, though I do not keep thee with me. With this he remained happy and contented. End of section 13